Wisconsin, should we temper our expectations or should we get excited all over again? Nick Evers, the highest recruited quarterback to Wisconsin since Graham Mertz. <laughs> Nick Evers coming in, baby. Uh, you know, from Oklahoma, signed with the Sooners, uh, sat behind what Dylan Gabriel last season, uh, who transferred to Oklahoma from UCF. Through uh, almost uh, 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, while rushing for 298 yards and 5 tutties. Uh, Gabriel will be back next season for the Sooners, and Evers wanted a new opportunity. Graham Mertz hit the transfer portal. Evers now in. What do we think, boys? I, I mean... Another highly recruited quarterback. Let's go. look at the, the quarterback room. Of Is it exactly we where we need it? No, it's still not. Uh, but... You bring in a transfer who's got four years eligibility left. You have Burkett who's got four years eligibility left. You got Cole LaCrue coming in as an incoming freshman. He'll have four Um, years eligibility. He'll have four (laughs) years of eligibility left. I mean, at least there's some excitement about what's going to be in the quarterback room. Not just this one guy, but he has potential. Burkett has potential. Cole LaCrue, you look at his high school film. He has potential. They all look like they could step in and be players. Got a lot of potential on this list. Competition in the quarterback room is not a bad thing. It's something that hasn't been there for a while. Yeah, I think just bringing in talent at the position in general is a big positive and something that Padger fans should be excited about. Because, yeah, Nick Evers, four-star four-star recruit, four-star quarterback. A lot of times, you know, guys coming out of high school get those four and five stars for a reason. It's because most of the time they're ballers in high school. You just don't uh, show up. You just just don't show up on those lists unless maybe uh, you're related to somebody. But uh, (laughs) I digress. Uh, Anyways, um, yeah, you should be excited. If anything, you're bringing in more talent to a room that we've complained has a lack of talent for what feels like forever. And I actually hope that they're not done. RJ mentions well, quarterback just committed Sims. I have to find where he's from though. RJ mentions LaCrue. Obviously yeah, yeah. Miles Burkett is still there. And now you bring in Nick Evers. If they could bring in another quarterback coming out of high school or another grad transfer, more the merrier at this point. Competition breeds success here. It does. I, I swear to God this morning, I saw a tweet of another quarterback committing. His last name was Sims. I, and you know how it like reloads and you lose the, the don't, page. Don't reload it. Speaking of quarterback me. commits, um, <laughs> did, it. did you guys see over the weekend the eighth grader that the Wisconsin <laughs> Badgers offered? Yeah, Badgers yeah. are not an eighth grader. I saw people losing their minds over it. Hey, get in early. Yeah, get in early because uh, that's not even the earliest. Wasn't it uh, not too long ago? I think it might have been Lane Kiffin who was like uh, offering a, a sixth grader. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think sixth grade is about as low as I've seen it. <laughs> get in uh, get in while you can. Well, the getting's yeah. good. Uh, I swear to God, I saw the tweet this morning. I'll try and find it. Uh, Jeff Sims. Was it? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I I take that back. I was rubbing the sleepers out of my eyes. It's Nebraska. That's that's my apologies. Wow. That's Nebraska for you. Wow. So there you go. I got everyone's hopes all up just to be crushed. All right. So yeah, Nick Evers coming in and Wisconsin throwing a eighth grader uh, a little recruitment. And he was pretty now, stoked about it. Well, so. so I ended up. I was a little interested in this eighth grader. We're probably wasn't jumping <laughs> yeah, off roofs yeah. after uh, watching Jackass four point five. <laughs> And I'm like, really? What's this kid look like? Like, is this him playing against other eighth graders? 
Well, turns out he actually played high school football because in that state, it's legal for you to play high school football when in eighth grade. Mm. And he actually, like some of his highlights were like, Is this, he balling? He's small, but he's, in, he's literally, he's in eighth, eighth grade. Grader. But he was chucking the ball around. It was like in his first uh, year of varsity action, he threw for like 14 touchdowns and had over a thousand yards passing. And yeah, it looked like maybe he struggled to see over the line, but he's literally 13, 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing against seventeen and eighteen year olds. So I was, yeah. I was actually he's got like, a little moxie. I, I thought going into that video, I'm like, okay, what am I going to be Let's watching? Like an thirteen, fourteen year old playing against a bunch of thirteen, fourteen year olds and just being like Trent way faster, Seaborn, there he is. way more athletic. But it turns out he was actually playing high school football, and he he led his team was it to the state semi something crazy, and I was like. Dang, actually, I'm impressed. This kid's really good. <laughs> so Trent Seaborn, he'll be a 2027 quarterback. Jeez. I got his tweet right here. I am after a great talk with Coach Phil Longo and Coach Fick. I am so grateful to God to receive an offer from the University of Wisconsin. Uh, hashtag on Wisconsin. He, he you know, tweets a bunch at a bunch of people there with a photo of the Motion W. Then the other photo of Russell Wilson, ready to go. Um, hey, what is the what is the quote from Public Enemies from Johnny Depp? It's something about um, you'd have to look it up. We're living in today, or we're living so fast, we're not thinking about the future. We're living. To, it's something like you'll whatever. have to look it up, right? But I don't know. The, you know what? Cool. You know what? Um, it should we be excited as Badger fans seeing that Longo and Fickle are recruiting a quarterback for twenty twenty seven? Means they're going to be here a while then. Since they're actually thinking about that, they're going to be here in twenty twenty seven and not <laughs> jumping ship to an Ohio State or to whatever springboard. Well. We'll see, but yes, 2027, they're like, hey, hey, remember when I cruised you in eighth grade? How about you follow me to Ohio State now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's more likely that. <laughs> like, I was in on you when you were in eighth grade, son. Now, now we're going to Ohio State. Come to Columbus with me. All right, let's go to... Oh, uh, speaking of Ohio State and Wisconsin connections at quarterback, did, did you guys... Decommit? Yeah. The uh, Rayola that decommitted from Ohio State? Yeah. yeah not Ray. Yeah. Do- Dominic's son... Um, and Donovan's nephew, and Donovan is now the uh, O-line coach at Nebraska. So, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, Ooh. so he decommits from Ohio State because he was the number one quarterback in the class of 2024, which would be next year's recruiting class. And what do you think? Nebraska? Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's where his dad went. Um, and his dad coaches there? No, his or uncle, his uncle coaches there. there. I did see some people trying to spin it and be like, come on, his uncle played for Wisconsin. Come on. Yeah, his uncle's not here, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there you go. Let's, uh, we'll get more into it first. But let's just think oh, about this real sorry, quick. Sorry, line one. Yeah. We went from, oh, my God, Graham Mertz is the next coming of Christ. Because he was a four five star quarterback. And the Illinois game. To all of a sudden, we have four star quarterbacks wanting to transfer here. We're talking about maybe some way figuring out to land a Rayola in the number one <laughs> overall twenty twenty four. But then here's the other thing. We're offering the number one quarterback prospect in the twenty twenty seven class. Things yeah. are looking up for Wisconsin, what baby. A, what a jump in the last <laughs> couple of weeks where we went from <clears throat> 
oh, our best ever recruited quarterback sucks. sucked to, hey, you see that eighth grader in 2027? I'm on him. I intend to start you. Man, that's quite a jump. Because I have last... no other QBs on the roster that yeah. year. <laughs> what a jump in the last month. Got Evers, got an eighth grader, you know, we got it all. The world's our oyster. Line one, good morning. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hi, this is Kevin from uh, Marshall. Kevin, how's it going, man? Marshall, Missouri. Oh, uh, hey, well, welcome on in, Kevin. What, hey, what do we do? Um, the, what do we owe the honor? Uh, well, I used to live in Madison, and I uh, I still have season football tickets. Uh, do you still come up to Madison and go watch uh, watch some Badger games? When I can, most of the time. I think this year I made it. I think this year I made it to five. Oh. Wow, that's commitment. Uh, that that's commitment, especially to this year. Oof. You're right, but. Uh, yeah, I I work at the college, the home of Bobby Lashley. Nice, oh, nice. Yeah, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, he wrestled on at the college I work. Hey, at. what's the uh, yeah. what's the temperature there for you, bud? Because we got zero degrees here in Madison. Uh, it's uh, twenty seven, but it feels like twelve. Hmm. <laughs> so it's it's still cold. But I'll, tra- anyways, I'll, tra- I'll trade you to... if you want the zero for the twelve. Anyways, <laughs> I've been. Uh, Three-year listener, first-time caller. Hey, so, man, thank uh, you so much. Thanks for calling in. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, so I just wanted to bet on this quarterback stuff. My son, who's a Wisconsin graduate, I'm a Wisconsin graduate, but he kind of gets delves into this more, you know, looking to see who they're looking at, what they're looking at. He's still hearing that they're, uh, they really want to get that kid from uh, Virginia into Wisconsin. Yep, Armstrong. Armstrong, yeah. Yep, and uh, get him in here for one year. And kind of get Evers trained up and and uh, yeah, that's the, we were kind of talking about that last week. You get Armstrong yeah. in for his year, and then you get Evers right. ready to go the year after. I'm that, totally that, ready for that. I'm yeah, I'm that, all on board. That's that's still the uh, that's still the 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 gossip going out there. So that would be kind of interesting. Would. How you feeling about uh, the future of Wisconsin football now with uh, these quarterbacks coming in and Fickle kind of grabbing the reins now? There might be some excitement. Last year was just, yeah. I mean, I, my son and I were at that Illinois game, Oof. and we both walked out. And I looked at him because he was he was never around for the the dandy Don Morton years. But uh, <laughs> uh, I said we walked out of there. I said Kyle. I said that reminds me of Don Morton years. It was it was there was no excitement. There was no fire. There was no nothing. And I said, your grandpa would say the same thing if he was still alive. He'd say, it just reminded him. He, you know, I took the tickets over from him, and there were times in Morton years he was looking to get rid of his tickets and yeah. he kept t- hanging on. And yeah. But anyways, that's all I was calling for. Hey, I appreciate the phone call, man. Uh, you said Kevin, right? Kevin. Uh, Kevin, Kevin from so Marshall. Uh, Kevin from Marshall, Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, Kevin, thanks so much. Have a, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in, and have a great Christmas, all right? All right, you too. See you, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, I'm all for bringing in, like, Armstrong from Virginia, another proven commodity that's Mm -hmm. played multiple years at the Division I college level, and even bringing in another uh, quarterback recruit if you can. In my opinion, you can't have enough talent at the quarterback position because as Badger fans, we've seen where some of our highly coveted stars have fizzled out. Bring me as much talent as you can. That would be my... We've seen where some go then transfer, like, to... Boredom. Well, let's talk about it coming up. Up against the break. I wasn't including him in the know, talent discussion. But talk about it coming up. Same thing with basketball. Where do they end up transferring?
Valpo? Yeah, but this, yeah, is, a, this, is, a, this is a new era. This is a, the new era of Wisconsin Badgers where they're actually going after higher-rated recruits. And speaking of that, the Amari Snowden, the cornerback wide receiver four-star that was in town this week, Badgers made his top five. He's announcing on Wednesday. He was also the baseball player. Only two out of the five schools have baseball, and that was Cincinnati and West Virginia. Club. Howard does not have football. I think that's out anyways. And then Wisconsin. Club. And the other one was Colorado, so you got to think because of primetime. Jeff Block, heading club, you know, Wisconsin baseball. Yep. They're winners. Monday night football. Hank Williams Jr. said it best. Are you ready for some football? After 15 days of no Packers football, yeah, I think I am. It's been a while. In fact, it was such a long time ago, we had to look up who the Packers last beat. It was the Bears. I feel like this Packers season, for how bad it's been and how underwhelming with all the expectations, thinking that, you know, you look at the NFC, you probably didn't think the Eagles were going to be as good as they have been. You thought that they were going to be a good team since they made the playoffs and they were building. They acquired A.J. Brown. You figured they're going to be probably pretty good you, the playoff team. You figured that the Cowboys would be pretty good, but they'd find a way to not win in the playoffs because of the Cowboys. You knew that Green Bay was going to be good. You figured that Minnesota would be better, but they wouldn't be a threat. And then it was like, what, Tampa Bay? Yeah. And then maybe the Rams and the 49ers and whoever else out there. But then all of a sudden you watch the first few weeks and you're like, man, is Tampa just not that good? Right. And you're starting to go through it, and you're like, man, this feels like it's wide open. If the Packers can have the type of season we expect them to, they should be one of the best teams in the NFC. But now, how about the drama at the end of the year where it's like, don't you feel like excited to watch the rest of the season? Because you're like, if they can just run the table, this team's yeah. into the postseason. You just got to win. You just got to keep winning. But it's like this this season is teetering on such, a, such an edge where it's like they can run the table and win, but, but. yet they could lose easily lose every single game and then the season's over and we might come back tomorrow and be like well the Packers are pretty much done well if they lose tonight we're coming in tomorrow and we want heads to roll uh, Joe Barry starting number one Matt LaFleur you're not safe in this either he's he's bought up some some time though with you know three seasons of 13 wins and NFC championship games but my, something needs if they lose tonight it's because the defense is just absolutely atrocious like who was even offensively on the on the Rams that scares you? Yeah, you would think offensively this is going to be about the best the Packers have been all season because Christian Watson's healthy and playing extremely well the last month. Romeo Dobbs is finally back. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you finally have some of those young, talented receivers that you thought could be something at the end of the year. Well, hello, it's the end of the year, yeah. and they're both healthy. Now the line outside of Bakhtiari has been healthy and has been playing better the second half of the season. You feel like offensively this should be the best showcase for a Green Bay Packers team, especially when, I oh, I don't know, their nose tackle for the Rams and Robinson is out. They're not playing Aaron Donald. Like those are two huge pieces on their defensive line. Their linebackers are beat up. It's like this should be the time where the offense looks really good and scores 30 points or at least four touchdowns. You know what I mean? Yep. And then on the flip side, it's a Rams team that can't run the football and the Packers. Yeah, they haven't had a good run defense. But if you can't stop this crappy Rams offense running the football, who are you going to stop? 
I'm not going to stop Matt LaFleur from firing Joe Barry if that happens, I'll tell you that. And then it's Baker Mayfield being a gunslinger. Yeah. That's really it. And he's and Baker's and you said this earlier, Rowdy, Baker Mayfield's kind of showcasing himself for another team for next season. I, he, I mean, it's this is a job audition, yeah. and they're going to let him sling the ball because they probably won't be able to run. They haven't run on anybody this year. And Cooper Cup is out their best offensive weapon. Yep. They don't have some of the players that they did last year, like Odell Beckham Jr., like Allen Robinson, like all of those guys aren't there or they're hurt. Yep. There's but, not a ton of weapons on this team. They're a dead team. Yep. Yeah, they are dead men walking. Watch the Packers kind of resurrect them, though. I mean, that's a little devil on my shoulder saying if, that right now. If Baker Mayfield was the one who all of a sudden throws for like four touchdowns tonight and beats the Packers like 31 to 28, this team doesn't deserve anything. But if I'm looking and somehow the Green Bay Packers can find a way to get into that seven seed, you know who I want to keep winning? I want the Minnesota Vikings to keep winning because I don't think the Vikings can overtake the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to be your clear cut one seed. Yeah. But I would love a Vikings Packers first round matchup in the playoffs because I'd much rather play the Vikings <laughs> as the two seed, a team we call frauds, yep. a team that is extremely lucky this year. Than the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, because right now, roster so talented for the Niners. Yeah. Right now, it's the Niners or the Vikings going for that second seed. Whoever wins the East is probably going to be the top seed. And with Dallas losing, it's going to be the Eagles. Yeah. I would much rather play a first round matchup against the Vikings, an interdivision foe you know, than the 49ers for the most part outside of when everyone was banged up and the Packers barely beat them. What was that a couple of years ago? Yeah. In the, the regular Niners season. And Shanahan have dominated LaFleur and the Packers. Give me the Vikings first round and we'll see what happens. Yeah. LaFleur is the gimp in that relationship with uh, Shanahan and the Niners. If, if the playoffs started today and it was the exact same seeds as it is now, but the Packers sneak in as the seven, you play the Vikings first round, that feels like a game that you maybe could find a way to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Now, the 49ers would play the Giants. You'd expect the 49ers to win. And then Tampa plays Dallas. I mean, you'd have to feel pretty Tampa, good. They're such a fraud. If team. you played Minnesota outside of the 49ers. I know. But we got to gotta focus what LaFleur talking about. One game at a time. What's in front of you? What can you control? One practice at a time. One game at a time. <laughs> could you imagine... As Packers, just Packer fans, how down we've been all year. If they can run the table, get in, and they get that Minnesota Viking matchup, and how high Viking fans have been rolling oh, with yeah. all of their lucky come from behind wins and crazy plays that like are in. Just think about the Buffalo game. You had a Josh Allen fumble for a touchdown that you recovered when you thought the game was over, and let's not forget the Justin Jefferson catch. Yep. The, one of the best catches in NFL history, all, all for them just to win a game or coming back from 33 points down, like all the crazy things they've had only to get a Packer matchup the first round and then the Packers beat them. Yeah, it'd be insane. It'd be, it'd be incredible. It'd be from the lows of lows for the Packers and the highs of highs for the Vikings and then completely switch them. And then all the people that uh, were throwing dirt on Rogers. I, I keep the receipts, by the way, of everyone talking about it like this. Uh, that are the low team mentality of to give up on the season of bench Rogers. If the Packers were to do that and get in the playoffs and that happens, I'm coming for every single one of them saying, you're not allowed to watch. You're not allowed to cheer. Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. It's their best matchup. Their best matchup is the Vikings. If you're looking for a legit Super Bowl run. Mm -hmm. And you know where they would play that game? 
in a dome. I'm glad you bring that up, Rowdy. Christian Watson. Now, this is hilarious to me, and we talked about this during the draft as well. Remember when the Packers drafted Christian Watson, and their, I forget what sports writer or reporter it was, was talking about how Christian Watson will be able to acclimate well to uh, Green Bay because of where he plays in North Dakota State. <laughs> Rowdy, what is North Dakota State Stadium called? It's the Fargo Dome. Fargo, what is that? Dome. Dome? Does Lambeau... Lambeau Field's an open-air stadium, correct? Last it time, is, last and it's time cold. Checked, yeah. Like, there's no roof over Lambeau, right? Like, I, my eyes haven't deceived me the 34 years I've been on Earth, have they? Or how about this? If they play the Vikings in a dome yeah. stadium, Christian Watson, a little bit of revenge for the big drop that he had week one. Oh, yeah. That'd be huge. Let me ask you this, though. Christian Watson was asked, and I'm going to play this here. Christian Watson was asked, because it's supposed to be uh, 20s or a little below dropping at kickoff and also some flurries coming. Christian Watson was asked, does the weather forecast for tonight compare to his coldest game while at North Dakota State? Rowdy, again, where does where did Christian Watson, what was the stadium called for North Dakota Fargo State? Fargo Dome. It's very famous. Do you think that it would get, I don't know, in the 20s and in teens in the Fargo Dome? It would outside, but not on but not, game not surface. Inside? Well, Watson was asked that question. <laughs> uh, I think it's right up there um, for sure. Uh, I know I've played in some pretty cold games, and I, I mean, I've, I've practiced in colder. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm used to the cold for sure, but I think it'll be, it'll be up there for, for um, the coldest game I've played in. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm used to it. Why do... Re- the people not real love he's going along with it obviously he played in the fargo dome it is a dome it is a climate controlled environment what is with the the storyline of him playing at the fargo dome compared to lambo yeah and also See, I, don't I get it i can confirm that it is a pretty um climate-controlled warm dome <laughs> because not only do they have football up there, but they also hold a huge wrestling tournament. Yeah, you've been there, right? You've been up there. <laughs> it's a dome. It's got a roof. But uh, It's got about, a thermostat. How about this, though, too, for the, for the Green Bay Packers? Did you see the article that came out in The Athletic talking about oh, Aaron Rodgers in the, the hand dumbest signals? thing I've ever Imagine paying for that and reading it. We'll save that, save that. There were I, some people save that. that took save it, save it. Some very extreme takes on that oh, article. I saw and I those oh my god, save that because that was just mind-boggling. The Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers have still spent how much money in free agency? It's a big goose egg. 0. Uh, the, la- all the only other team not to do that was the, I think the Miami Marlins, but we were talking about that middle of the week, yeah, last week. Have the Mar- have the Marlins spent anything? I would assume not. I would think no, but I have not been following the Miami Marlins. Yeah. I feel like they're in sell, 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 or you know, no spend, spend, spend. But the Brewers and the Marlins have one thing in common. They well, two things: Wisconsinites and both of them like to go to Florida in this time of year. But also this time of year, both have not spent any money. Rowdy, there was a player for the Milwaukee Brewers, Brad Boxberger, uh, out of the bullpen. Really good. He was uh, really good at what he, uh, you know, contributed for the Brewers. Now the Brewers opted to let him what test the market. So Brad Box, we'll go in order of what has occurred since last Thursday. 
Thursday night, Brad Boxberger officially, I guess it was Thursday afternoon, Brad Boxberger officially signed with the Chicago Cubs for a one-year deal. Now, Brad Boxberger, the last two years for the Milwaukee Brewers, had been a really good seventh-inning guy right in front of Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Yeah. And he had a clause in his contract for a option. It was a team option. They could have picked up his option for $3 million and... You know, it would have been nice and easy. It would have been uh, right back into that Brewers bullpen, probably slot him right in there in the seventh, eighth inning, and you'd be good to go. And if you look at a lot of uh, pitcher trajectories and, and kind of career arcs, a lot of times you can normally get these guys to, to pitch at a high level, especially relievers at age 35. Yes. Brad Boxberger's 34, turning 35 uh, this upcoming season. So career arc would have told you he's got one solid year left in him. And the Brewers declined the option. To save some money, right? Save a little bit of money. money. I know a lot of the Milwaukee Milwaukee Brewer beat writers were saying, hey, they're going to decline the option because if a team is interested in picking them up off of waivers, they would have to pay the $3 million. And and the Brewers declined it, so they were going to have Brad Boxberger uh, test that waiver market, see if any team is willing to pay him $3 million, and if not, hopefully sign him back for cheaper. And the estimated amounts that I saw from a lot of the Brewer beat writers were between two and two and a half million dollars. So the the Brewers would be paying, or sorry, saving 500,000 to a million dollars by basically not picking up the option. Yeah. Well, Brad Boxberger tested the market for three, four weeks and ends up signing with the Chicago Cubs for one year. Scrubs. $2.8 million. So we found out that Brad Boxberger's market value was $2.8 million. And the Milwaukee Brewers tried to pinch pennies and save 500,000 to a million (laughs) only to find out they really were only saving 200,000. And you didn't get, you didn't reacquire him. Yep, just two hundred thousand dollars. And he, outside of Devin Williams, he was arguably your second best reliever last year. I know that he had a couple months where he struggled. One was July, but that makes sense. Most of the time, if relievers yeah, are going to struggle, it's going to be in July because that's right before the All Star break. Especially if it's Craig Council and you know he likes to put a little bit more pressure on his bullpen than his starters. Yeah. you're going to start to wear in the month of July before the all-star break. So it makes sense that he, he had an ERA in July over four, but that was really his only bad month. If you combine the months of September and October together, because you know, they play like that week and a half in October. He had an ERA under four every single month, except for July. And he finished, even though he may not have, he have struggled in the middle of the year and maybe at the end had a little bit of some blips. He finished with a four and three record. And a two nine five ERA, a WHIP of one point two three. That's still a really damn good year. And at three million dollars, that's still a pretty solid price, especially when you have some of, some of the other relievers on the market getting five six million dollars for seasons that were comparable or maybe even slightly worse. The Brewers blew one here. The Brewers blew it oh, on two hundred thousand dollars, right? And they would only have been tied. And and Box is good at what he does. I mean, he's a good. Contributor for the Brewers. They only would have been tied to Boxberger for this year. And then he would have been a free agent. He would have been 35 turning 36. And then, you know, you let him go separate ways. It, mm-hmm. it only made sense t- 
to be married to him for one more year, and they blew it for being cheap. And now he goes to a division <laughs> rival, the Chicago the Cubs. Cubs, who have a lot of money to spend, and they also just signed Dansby Swanson, one of the top four shortstops on the market. Yep. So that was Thursday. And then Friday, we were going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and some potential free agents that I was interested in having them sign. And since then, funny enough, I came up with a a list of guys, position players that I'd be interested in having them sign. And of course, Friday afternoon, one of those guys is signed. So the list that I actually compiled for guys that I'd be interested in for position players was... One, Andrew Benatendi. He signed with the White Sox literally later that night, and he got five years, $75 million to go play for the White Sox. I think the White Sox actually slightly overpaid. I had him pegged between 10 and $12 million for a longer extension like that. I think it's best for the Brewers that they didn't sign him at that uh, amount of money. I don't think he's worth $15 million a year for the next five years. Mm-hmm. So that one, you know, that's fine. Good and dandy. Uh, the other guys that I really like would like to see the Milwaukee Brewers sign was Michael Brantley. Well, Michael Brantley last yesterday on Sunday, he actually re-signed oh, with the Houston Astros. Now, Brantley was actually a Brewers farmhand. He was the player to be named later in the CC Sabathia. Oh, yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Now he's been a really good ball player, multiple time All Star for the Indians. One year, twelve million dollar deal he got. Uh, uh, All Star for the Houston Astros, but that's the thing. I pegged him at five to eight million dollars a year. I think Houston overpaid twelve but it's, mil. It's a known commodity, and the reason why I liked him was he's a guy that can hit you three hundred. And what do the Brewers need with this offense? Is a guy that Some can hitters. hit for a high average. Yeah. He wasn't necessarily the type of outfielder he used to be. He was very limited there. But I thought that for the price and being another veteran outfielder, especially if Winker's going to DH more specifically, yeah. that it would be a good fit. But I think Houston overpaid, so I'm I'm fine with him uh, going to Houston at that price. And then uh, another guy that I had on my list, he was actually the very last guy on this list. It was J.D. Martinez. And the reason why he came in last on my list was don't exactly know how he would fit on this roster. He's a guy that plays corner outfield, but he's more specifically a D.H., and with Jesse Winker being traded for, probably going to play a majority of his time at DH since he is a liability in the outfield, and he'd probably be playing right field if he plays just because Yelich is in left. Mm-hmm. Didn't necessarily think that it was a great fit for the team, but the hitting would have been pretty nice. He got a one-year $16 million deal for the Dodgers over the weekend, and I thought that was actually pretty close to to the price that I would have paid. Yeah. I had him pegged around $15 million. So that was probably a, a pretty decent signing for the Dodgers. But there's three guys left that I had on my list Friday morning that are still out there that I would really love the Milwaukee Brewers to still sign. Number one on my list has to be Brandon Drury. Remember last year, he was one of the guys I actually named at the all-star break that I would like to see the Milwaukee Brewers trade for. Unfortunately, the Brewers weren't buyers. They were sellers. We all know how that played out. But yeah, Brandon Drury is a guy that can play first. He can play third. He can play second base and he can DH. He was with the Reds for half of the season last year, had a really good big season, traded to the Padres for the uh, playoff push. I think he fits really well with the Brewers because he's versatile, because he can play all of those different positions. And right now, as is, 
the Milwaukee Brewers, you're probably looking at a second base being Bryce Terang, who's never played in the big leagues, but he's chomping at the bit in AAA. Yeah, how long or, has he been in AAA for now? Uh, about a year and a half. He he's it feels Seems like, like he's been forever. around forever because they drafted him out of high school at seventeen. Okay, God, and now he's twenty, just forever. Yeah, now he's twenty two, turning twenty three. So he's been in the minor leagues five six years, but you got to remember he was straight out of high school. Yeah. Now, him and Luis Arias are probably your top guys at second and third. But remember, you still have Mike Brasso. You just traded for Owen Miller. Those are two guys that could work in at second and third as well as first base too. So I, I like the versatility, but I like that he's a power bat. He's got pop where he could hit, say, 25, 30 home runs if he played every day for the Brewers in American Family Field. I think that's a good fit. And again, a guy I was interested in last uh, trade deadline. Yeah. My second pick that I like is actually Will with one L, Myers. And the reason why I like Will, Will Myers, say it quick. Will. former San Diego Padre, uh, you know, former... Uh, Tampa Bay Ray. He's a guy that can play corner outfield. He's an average outfielder, but he also brings uh, some pop to his bat. He can play first base, gives you some versatility. And the final guy that I actually was interested in the Milwaukee Brewers signing, he was also somewhat linked to the Brewers last trade deadline. That's Trey Mancini. Remember him? He was a uh, former Baltimore, longtime Baltimore Oriole. He can play corner outfield. He can play first base. He's a little versatile guy with a little bit of pop. Mm -hmm. He was traded at the deadline, not to Milwaukee, obviously, but to the Houston Astros. He kind of struggled down the stretch, but I think all three of those guys, would be valuable bats for this Milwaukee Brewers team that also brings some versatility to the the offense, especially when we know the Brewers love to be very versatile. If they can bring in a player that can play three positions, that goes a long way. Cheap and versatile. And I think those three are all three guys that if you sign to a... And this is the other thing. I'm only looking to sign these guys to one or two year deals. So you're probably going to have to elevate how much you pay them because a lot of them are looking for the four, five, six year deals, especially with uh, how old all these guys are. All of these guys are right around uh, 31 to 29 years old. Yeah. So they're all kind of in that middle part of their career where it's like they're looking to cash in on one big contract if they can. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily out there for all of these guys, but a little bit of an elevated uh, one or two year deal. I could see it. And I think all three of these guys are, should be pegged anywhere from 10 to 15 million per year. So if they could sign one of them, I think it would go a long way building this offense and giving it a little bit more pop. I don't think the Brewers, the Brewers make do. any moves when it comes to the starting <laughs> rotation. The rotation is pretty set. It's basically. You think they make any moves at all? Yeah, I, I I really do think they do. They're gonna they're gonna bring in. See, the given is they're gonna bring in some major league level relief pitching. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if you see one to three relief pitchers brought in, guys that have been in the big leagues, had some decent seasons, but they're kind of the projects. They're the projects that the the Milwaukee Brewers always seem to bring in under David Stearns, and they always seem to pitch well, or at least get some uh, sure. serviceable arms to go in that bullpen. So I do think we see that. I don't know if we actually see uh, a signing on the position side. I would like Drury Myers or Mancini, but I don't know if they'll actually pull that trigger. And I don't think they mess with the rotation at all. Unless, unless they traded move, Burns trade or they traded Woodruff, then maybe they would go out and look at that market. But the starting pitching market 
has been pretty picked over with the guys that were really good, uh, solid, and decent, and they've been paid a lot of money, a lot more money than the Brewers are willing to pay. So I think well, the safe, the <laughs> safest thing in in to to keep it short, the safest thing is look, keep for, it short and you're ready. Come look on, for a couple more relievers to be signed that have some uh, major league ability, and maybe you'll get a position player signed, and hopefully it's one of those three. Will the Brewers spend money? Well, so far they haven't. One of two teams in all the majors who have not. Whoever was just on the line, I thanks for waiting on hold for that long uh, Brewers segment there. I literally was just going to get right to you. Uh, but then you just hung up. That's uh, tisk tisk tisk. Shame on you. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Will the Brewers do anything? They got they got to do something, right? Like they have to spend some money, right? I, mean, I, I know they don't have to, but they they will, right? It would be very, like Matt Arnold can't be his first role is not to spend a single dime. It would be very unfortunate if the Milwaukee Brewers did not go out and sign anybody. Can this roster right now compete in the NL Central? But you know when I say they're going to sign those relief pitchers, that they're going to probably sign a couple of relief pitchers, and they're all going to be under $3 million, like the Brad Boxberger deal. Totally. So you're not going out there and, and getting any big-time reliever that's going to come in and be some star. You're looking for a guy that's going to be able to get you you know, the fifth inning if there's a bad start, or the sixth or seventh inning, maybe. The Brewers. Our little low T over the weekend from... Uh some of the Aaron Rodgers detractors. Before that, though, got two things involving Rodgers. I do want to say good morning to Benjamin. Good morning, Ben. Yeah. How's your weekend in Chicago? Speaking of low-T Rodgers detractors, hi, Ben. Oh, did that come off that way? Yeah. Don't take it that way. How was your, uh, <laughs> your time in Chicago? Yeah, it was good, man. It, it, it was enjoyable. It, it was cold. It, it's not warm. It's cold. This just in, it was cold in the Midwest during winter. It's, nah, it's not warm. It was, it was windy out there. You, you, uh, very, <laughs> again, more breaking news from Ben. It was windy in the Windy City. Yeah. Well, it's, the windy, it's, that's because of the politics. But, Ben, aren't you glad you have underground parking now? Especially when it's yeah. zero degrees this morning. Oh. I'm relegated to outside. The, the missus, the wife, gets the, the, the single garage. morning. That's, well, that's good. All well, because of that. And Charlie? <laughs> Ben, did you watch the, the World Cup final? I did, actually. Was it, was it? Now, as a soccer detractor. It was a real soccer game. How exciting was that? It was It was a solid game. It was uh, everything you wanted in a championship match, and more. Whatever. Looking back, do you now think that the um, Saudi Arabia-Argentina game was fixed? Did Saudi Arabia beat them? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. They'd be like, like UW-Whitewater in football beating uh, the Eagles. So... Wait, one of the first few days of the World Cup, yeah. Oh, yeah. Argentina, like, what, they scored a goal in, like, the first 10 minutes? I, I think guess. it was, like, the first, like, five. Yeah, minutes, like, yeah. and then they completely swarmed them for, like, the first 20 minutes and had, like, a ton of shots on net, and then all of a sudden didn't do anything, and Saudi Arabia somehow scored two goals, <laughs> and then Argentina wins the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's, yeah. Hey, really? Lionel Messi, man. All right, so, um, you big Messi guy now, Ben? I, I'm assy. It's cool. I'm assy. Yeah. It is pretty. It is cool. It's cool. It is cool. So, all right, boys. I have two Rogers things. The first one I wanted to get to, uh, one of my own, my brother, Ben, is also a Rogers hater. He's one of the biggest Roger haters I know. Okay. It's Doogie is his name. Doogie. Yeah. Doogie's got a conspiracy theory for us. I wanted to... Conspiracy theory. 
Aaron Rodgers has been throwing all these games looking like a lame duck just so he can stage a great comeback and have all the Rodgers brown nosers, referring to you and I, Rowdy, (laughs) go insane about how awesome he is. What a comeback. What a season. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest. And then when we win another second round in the playoffs trophy, as they lose, obviously, for the Super Bowl, Rodgers will be our hero once again. You believe that, Rowdy? No. Benjamin? You're Rodgers' detractor? I mean, the only game that that would make sense for was the Lions game. When when they were just on the goal line the whole time. Yeah. And it was an interception every time. So, Doogie, there's your conspiracy theory out there. I don't think Rodgers is, if anything, Matt LaFleur is throwing games because he's an idiot. Or Joe Barry because he sucks. And then there's this. Speaking of idiots and detractors, this could be one of the dumbest stories I think I've ever read in my entire life. And I can't believe people pay to read this. It was a good story. <laughs> well, that's, well, a lot of the Aaron Rodgers detractors were on their high horse over the weekend. And when I read it, I'm like... You have to be the dimmest lit bulb in the room to get off on this story. Now, Ben, I'm not saying you're a dim lit bulb. Did you get your Jones, your rocks off, though, reading this? I mean, listen, I, I did not read it and think poor things about Rodgers. That's not what that was. It was very interesting to me to read it, though, because I think it gives valuable context as to what it's like in the room, why veterans always perform better with Rodgers than rookies, why there's seem to be growing pains. I didn't think negatively of oh Rogers is just the the worst person. Did you see the Did you see the low T Packer or Cheeseheads get hold of the story and like be like look at all this guy's such a bum he's a loser. There there were a lot of anti Rogers fans that may or may not cover the Green Bay Packers that were just taking that and running with it. Let me tell the people the story. You can read the story and and no it's I mean it's a well done story. It's interesting because you talk to a lot of the former guys that were cut. Like did she talk Rogers. to Rogers? Did she talk to Rogers in it? I didn't see anything about him. Well, her talking to Rogers. My point is, it's interesting if you go in with the uh, understanding that she talked to some receivers that probably aren't happy with him. No, I kind of think this has a hit piece on Rogers. Oh, I, I, I didn't. Rowdy, I think it was. I'll explain in a second. I think it it came off as that to me for a lot of the people that took it and ran with it yeah. because it was looking at him in a negative aspect, saying. Oh, what he does doesn't work. Now, Ben, as a defender of journalism, I gotta think of a superhero name for you. The defender of journalism. He leaps by haters. I'll think of something. I'll get it. Ben, as a defender of journalism, if you are doing a piece on someone, in the piece, wouldn't you also get the opinion and the statement of the person you're doing said piece on? Or you reach out for comment and they decline it. In, in, for journalism ethics, isn't that like one of the things to do? Well, her story, and this is where I'll defend it. And again, I did not view it as a hit piece on Rogers, And I didn't, I don't view Rogers any differently, uh, any more negatively than before I read it. But the, the frame of the story was what it's like for the receivers. Okay. Meaning she wasn't trying to say, this is where Rogers falls short, or this is what he does. She tried to... Because there's been context. We look at rookies that come into Green Bay. Once you see the receiver's job is catching the ball that the quarterback throws to them, so like half of half of it would be who the quarterback is giving you the ball or throwing you the ball? Well, Rodgers is a part of it, but <clears throat> I, I think the point is what it's like for those around Rodgers. All right, I'm going to read. Here's a little blurb. 
This is uh, from The Athletic, Kaylin Collar. I think I said her name right. She will be on the Bill Michael show today. Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. Uh, here's her tweet. Aaron Rodgers expects his offense to know somewhere around 30 hand signals. Every Saturday, players are tested on them, but the tricky part is the signals aren't officially taught. There's no real record of them, and Rodgers often revive signals from years before. And then she goes on. Uh, let's see here. They talk to former Packers wide receiver Equiminia St. Brown. He says, uh, let's see here. On Saturdays, rookie receivers, running backs, and tight ends get quizzed on them. You don't want to get called on because you got to do it in front of the whole team, said EQ, who now plays for the Bears. Quote, it's probably the most nerve-wracking for a young player because we don't get taught them, said former running back Kylan Hill. Uh, you have to learn them on the fly. Uh, Jordan Love says, quote, that's definitely something wide receivers don't look forward to is the signal meeting because we have so many. You don't want any of that stuff getting out, so we wait until the season starts to go through our signals. Uh, let's see here. Rowdy, your takeaway from some of this. Well, I just like that um, uh, another former Green Bay Packer player, John Kuhn, because a lot of some of the beat writers that are anti rogers took this and ran with it and made some comments. Yeah, He quoted... The, I believe it was the article, and he sent out a tweet that uh, said a lot of people on offense knew these. Even the offensive linemen learned them because some of the offensive linemen would help the wide receivers learn the signals. Mm-hmm. So if the offensive linemen know the signals, I feel like it's not like it's that complicated. Like, I get it's complicated, and it's it's off record. It's blah, blah, blah. But here's my other thing. They never talked about this when, I don't know, Donald Driver was a receiver, when Greg Jennings was a receiver, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. Like, you can go right down the list. When they had quality receivers, this was never talked about. I I think this is actually, uh, it should be more of a hit piece or reflection of A, the receivers that he was playing with aren't up to snuff because one, if they can't learn them or two, if they can't actually run the routes or figure them out, that's on them for being just not good at their craft. Yeah. And two, it reflects to me on the general manager, whether that be Ted Thompson or whether that be Brian Gutekunst for not giving him ample wide receivers that can play and learn them. No, I remember Romeo Dobbs when he got into camp, them talking about, and Mike Clemens talked about this too, how he would go sit down with Rodgers during lunch to pick his brain on anything and everything. That's trying to be a master at your craft, not getting, you know, cut from the Packers and then saying, Rodgers had all these super secret signals that we had to learn. Uh, Peter Bukowski, who was probably the lowest T of everyone here as a Rodgers hater, uh, he runs with it saying, This is objectively bad process on coaching and the quarterback. He is, loves nothing more in life than to hate on Aaron Rodgers. But doesn't it just, doesn't that just look bad on the receivers that couldn't pick it up? Because when the receivers were good and they could play, it all felt like it was hunky dory, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you have these fringe NFL roster guys that. One, they can't pick it up, or two, they they can't perform on the field. I feel like that reflects on them. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially when you have John Kuhn making the comment that, yeah, fullbacks learned them, tight ends learned them, running backs learned them, offensive linemen were helping teach them. Yeah. I would love to hear from Christian Watson right now about it, or like you said, Devontae Adams, Greg Jennings. I would love to hear from Greg Jennings about it, the, the biggest Rodgers hater out there. Yeah, well, I'm sure he would have comments. 
What this does kind of well, bring how come up, he's never though, brought it up in all the years that he's been hating on Rodgers? Yeah. I, what this does kind of bring up, <clears throat> excuse me, is when we talk, like, we were probably wrong going into this year to expect it all to work with the weapons and the offense. Or lack thereof. From the start, exactly. Um, and, and especially with the youth of a lot of them and the fact that Sammy Watkins just kind of stinks. But I, at the same time, would being present to help said wide receivers learn in the offseason, would that have been beneficial? Probably. Aaron Rodgers and the offseason talk. Yeah, Ronnie? Ben, you played baseball growing up. How many, how many signs did your team have? Many. Did you learn them? Yes. And and we practiced them in the offseason. And did did you play other teams where it was like they had like three signs and you learned them like halfway through the first game you ever played against them? Uh, no. No, I'd say they were all pretty intricate. Because I, I remember growing up, you know, you have maybe half a dozen to ten signs and it wasn't something super basic, right? Like it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to touch my nose and then we're bunting so that every time the, the coach goes to his nose – you clearly could pick up that the other team was, or that your team was bunting. Some teams were so basic. They had like three signs and it was like, all right, I'm going to touch my nose. We're going to bunt. I'm going to touch my elbow. It's going to steal. And after playing them for three innings, you already knew their signs. So my question is this then too. And he learned them. You learned them. I, I don't get the point. Some teams have he, more intricate signs than others. And they so learned you their still signs. learned them and you still knew them. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying the young wide receivers are void of any, like, now, it, did it's you, clearly taking time. Did you have I, players on your team is, that couldn't learn them? What? Did you have players on your team that didn't learn them or didn't know them well? Probably, yeah, we had some Then those players. kids were probably looked at as bench players or not very good, like these receivers. Yes, yes, I, I'm not arguing with that and that analogy. My point is, it, it, it would be objectively beneficial to spend more time so, with said young guys. if Rodgers is... Has, is reviving hand signals from years gone by. Why was this not a story? I'll say the beginning of Matt LaFleur when they go 13 and three or 2020, they go 13 and three or 2021. They go 13 and four because all the receivers were already there and, and stayed each year, year after year. And why was Devontae. it? Why didn't we not hear about this in a Super Bowl run or 2011 when they went 15 and one or because there was success. That's how it works. So Rogers can do his hand signals at the line that are off the record but once we get a little adversity, then it's Rogers' fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying for it all to work better, the more time they would have spent together would a have been A 17-year vet. Now we're talking and about And let's not forget rules. about the period of time. He could do no wrong, though. Let's not forget about the I'm period of that. time between 2015 and 2018 where a lot of those really good receivers had moved on, and it was like Devontae Adams and the bad news bears of like Jeff Janis, Jared Abraderis. Those guys still knew the plays. Those guys still, whether they were actually good or not, they still clearly knew them. So when you guys are going to, like, let's say you're going to. But those guys had been there year after. Like, it's not as if they were all there for the first year. This group he has, there's Lazard, who's just not amazing. He's okay. But the rest of them are all first-year guys. My other Christian Watson has got more touchdowns than, like, well, this was before my, the, my the weekend, Justin Jefferson. Is, here's the deal. If you're trying to play in the NFL and you're trying to make a squad, if you're a fringe player, this is your job. Yeah. This should be all you're focused on. Like when you guys went to school, uh, or college classes, and your professor was giving you, like, you know, a little cliff note version of stuff, said, all right, read chapters one through four. 
Did you go and search for the answers that you knew were coming up the quiz, or did you blame the teacher for you flunking the test? Well, I didn't put much stock into quizzes. The point still stands. I, I see your point. No, I uh, listen. You blame I, the teacher. I am not using this as an indictment on Rogers. He has his process. But remember long ago when the year started and there was the question of should he not change the way he plays, but should he eh, change an approach to help the fact that he's surrounded by youngsters that are getting. Oh, yeah. And well? you and Grant ran with it. I'm not saying that he needed to change anything, but the the effort to help all of them yes. learn it has taken a lot of time. I remember this, but it's it's hand signals. It's not like they're doing like well, high level of math. Their offense. Yeah, it's high it's hand math. signals. It's not like they have a pen and paper and they're trying to do a math equation. I mean, you know what? They do pick up one signal from Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of them got it pretty quickly if they couldn't learn it. And that was probably the hand signal that was a middle finger because, <laughs> and I bet they understood that one. And then the like, maybe I should hit the books. Maybe I should ask Rodgers what this means. Well, like, remember at the end of the Detroit game, there was a fourth and ten, and he threw it to Sammy Watkins in the end zone, and, and Watkins ran the wrong route. Like, it just wasn't near him. Yeah. And I figure that was a hand signal moment where he liked the matchup. And, like, there also is part of you that says, okay, like, maybe these, maybe it's, maybe you have to know that these guys are not processing, or especially Watkins in that setting. So then just, like, don't throw them the ball in that situation. Where there's either... Well, I don't think you see Watkins with the ball anymore, really. Don't you think that if you have a, a, an intricate 30-plus hand signals that if everyone learned it and was on the same page, it could actually be really good and really effective? Because it's like, hey, I see something in this matchup. I'm going to do a little hand signal. You know what that means. We're going to take advantage of this coverage and the scheme that the defense is playing. But if if you're not on the same page, it's a huge detriment and in my opinion, unless you are just so dumb that you can't learn hand signals, there's no reason why it can't be effective. And we've seen it be effective basically his whole career, except for when they have these fringe NFL type guys that are struggling to even make the team because yeah. they're just not good. Yeah. I can't. So what time is she on? Noon. Noon? Today. Noon? Cool. Noon on the Bill Michaels show. Line two. Good morning. Who's this? Thanks for waiting on hold. Gotcha. You got your Maytag, man. What up, Zach? What's up, Zach? <laughs> What's going on? Hey, guys? you uh, you uh, got the Mobcraft Advent beer calendar, or whatever the hell it's called. How's it been going, man? The twenty four days of beer. Uh, you know, there there have been some really really good ones. There have been some really really average ones, and I there's probably been two or three stinkers. Just yeah, I mean yeah, that, I mean that's just, just that's just how it is, you know. Just just not my style. Different you know? palettes, but no. Otherwise, I mean the. The uh, the Milwaukee the white chocolate milk stout the other night the Jason was Williams unbelievable it was so good hell yeah that's not, yeah I've been looking at your pictures man I've been uh, jealous of a bunch of them looks good yeah I mean it's most expensive uh, case of beer I've ever bought in my life <laughs> <laughs> what's on your mind my man what's going on yeah, to- totally worth totally worth it yeah. totally worth it uh, no hey um. Here's an interesting little little thing that I what you guys were talking about the uh, the hand signals and the wide receivers not being able to pick it up or whatever would that directly correlate to their Wonderlick scores I wonder because it, they always say the 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 linemen and the fullbacks they're they're like the smartest guys on the team uh, they're the ones who pick up stuff really fast uh, and the wide receivers are you know they just go out and catch they're but Rodgers is doing uh, doing the hand signals, which kind of 
in the wide receiver's eyes complicates it, but I mean, it's kind of a, not what you, saying they're stupid, but Zach, what do you think about this? I think these hand signals could actually be beneficial if they're, if they're changing out because you have maybe a lesser wide receiver out there. Cause like, imagine if Tyree kill played for the Packers, do you really think that they're going to be doing a bunch of hand signals? Because it's like, Hey, let the cheetah run down the field. I'm going to throw him the ball. Right. Right. And that's, and that's the thing too. And I, I think a lot of these wide receivers, at least in previous years have had a little bit of, little bit of free reign as far as the, as far as their routes they like their matchups and they tell Rodgers like hey I'm going to do this or Rodgers tells them hey do this and he tells them in the huddle and they go out there and they see you know Rodgers sees the matchups or whatever and he's like all right I have the matchup that I want I want it here give him the hand signal it's not you know it's the the hot route button right hot in route, Madden that's it, what you that's what that's what you're doing right I mean, that's what Rodgers is doing seems like Aaron Rodgers has probably come up with this to help the lesser wide receiver because he knows right. Devontae Adams and guys like that don't actually need you know like to completely change a play for them to get open but when we're talking about St. Brown or we're talking about a washed Sammy Watkins that's only going to help them and you need to learn it Right. No, that's that's exactly right. Uh, they, they, yeah, and, and, uh, like I said, go go and look at these guys' Wonderlick scores from. I'm, from I'm looking. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the ones that recorded, and I can't find Kylan Hills. I'll go look for Echo St. Brown.